This podcast is powered by SEM Wealth Management. SEM Wealth Management, where your faith, your values, and your investments align. Great day, everyone. Ed Dudley, Durham, North Carolina. I hope you're doing well. I pray you're doing well. It's summertime and it's hot. Did I say it's hot? Um, I'm excited to share the space, though, with uh, a couple of good friends of mine, Mr. Garland Scott and Greer Rubling. Greer, how are you feeling today? Good. Hot, actually. Very hot. 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 I'm, <laughs> loving the cur- I'm loving the curls. Thank you. Thank I you. Really, I really dig the curls. Trying to Mr. Mr. Garland Scott, I know, I know you're remote, sitting somewhere, uh, sipping on a latte. Uh, welcome, sir. Well, I'm in Starbucks in Lansdowne, Virginia, Ashburn, outside of DC. I think the speaker is right above my head here, so it's super loud. There's a yoga studio next door. There's tons of people coming in and out in, in yoga pants. So I will be putting myself on mute until I get ready to ask questions. <laughs> So, Garland, um, I'm just praying that you do not have yoga pants on, so please do not stand up. I do not. not. <laughs> I'm like, was it necessary to mention the yoga pants? I guess so. If you were, if you were watching what's around me, you get it. <laughs> well, that that's a that's a show for another time, everyone. Well, we're we're excited to have our next guest um, on. I think she's been on the schedule for for a little little while um, now. Um, but what I will do is I will turn it over to Greer this time to introduce our featured guest. So go ahead, Greer. Uh, our featured guest is Natalie Bergsma, and she is actually my business coach. Um, she's been my business coach for a few years. She is also what I would consider a friend and a fellow female business owner who works with a lot of financial advisors. And um, she's doing some really cool things with her business, businesses, I would say. And um, yeah, and I'm, I'm ready to uh, focus on her this time instead of every single conversation that we ever have. That's mostly focused (laughs) on me. Um, But I feel like sometimes turn into um, more of therapy sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, So so this will be nice to ask her some questions and let her talk for a little while. Yeah, well, well, great. Let's bring her into the room. Miss Natalie, how are you doing today? I am good. Thank you, Greer, for the, the very kind introduction. Um, I hate talking about me, so this is going to be fun. Um, and you guys, I'm not sure if you know what hot is. I'm in Phoenix right now. The high today is 117. So, whoa, that's the temperature? I, I that one. So Natalie, oh, am, I, am I wrong yeah. to say this? Isn't it the 21st day that you've had temperatures over 110? You are 100% correct. We have an office in Tucson. That is the record. That's the, that's the longest time ever in our history in the country that we've yeah. had in one place temperatures over 110. 21 days wow. Well, I was just simply say this. I used to be Greer's complexion um, before this heat wave. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, 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 wow. But thank you for joining us, Natalie. Um, as, I, as I told you before, we just love to have fun um, and laugh a little bit uh, and just share stories. And we'd love to hear a little bit more about who are you? You know, um, who are you? What do you do? Um, and just, you know, jump on in. Well, actually, I was I was thinking about this question, right? Who, who am I? What is the story I want to tell? Um, I obviously, I'm doing my homework kind of person. I was going back and listening to some of your guys' podcasts. And strangely enough, Greer's podcast hit me pretty hard because the, your experience, Greer, is so common in our industry. And what hit me about it is my experience has been so different. I started in this business 20, 20 plus years ago. Uh, I started a firm called Quantum Consulting. Stephanie Bogan was the owner. She's obviously an industry guru. 
Um, and that was the beginning of my being in firms that had great leadership, that had um, purpose, who cared about people over profits and really put their teams and their growth first. And my journey is as much about me and the things that I've been through and the struggles that I've had with my own mindset, with my own belief in myself, um, sometimes with the ways that people viewed me. Um, but I didn't experience some of the things I think that you would think would be typical for a female. Some of it's maybe I just didn't know. I never really thought about how being a woman impacted me. Um, I had great mentorship and leadership. So, you know, I started from the very bottom up and grew, right? I started at Quantivus Consulting when I was in college um, as an admin doing the bookkeeping and the executive assistant work. Uh, then I started doing my business, business analyst work, becoming that person who helped write job descriptions and build compensation plans and, you know, do the business of uh, the business. And I had a mentor who, who really, who helped me grow, who challenged me, who pushed me um, to, to be my very best and take on those bigger challenges. And so I think as I thought about like, hey, what are some of the things that I wanna talk about today? The importance of people growing in our industry and becoming those great leaders who support other people and who really do the things that you guys are doing, who stand up and say, this is the kind of business we want to build. This is the kind of industry that we want to build. Um, so, you know, in terms of my story, it's it's pretty varied. I, I didn't intend to be a coach or a consultant. I didn't intend um, to, to go into mindset work either. Like I, I started that job because I was in college. I wanted to be a pediatric surgeon. Um, had a biology professor who I really didn't like. So I ended up in chemistry of all places. I've loved learning. Like I will learn anything. It's one of my favorite things to do. Hence the, you know, we were joking earlier about needing reading glasses and having to put them on every time I read now. Um, but, you know, I, I left that work. I left the work to go pursue my PhD in physical chemistry. And um, I was probably 25, 26 at the time. I was four and a half years in to that work. And I was about as miserable as you can get. I had trouble working 35 hours a week. I didn't love the work that I was doing. Um, I ended up living abroad for three months in France on a exchange program in graduate school just to see if it was like the place that I was at or the team that I was working with. I was miserable. And the reason that I was miserable is because I wasn't doing work I loved. Because I didn't have a purpose because I had, you know, at that time I had leaders who were good at what they did, but they weren't necessarily the best leaders in terms of pushing and growing and developing people, or they had what I call, and I actually still see in the financial services industry, professor syndrome. Like I know how to do it better than you. So, you know, I'm just going to come in and I'm going to take over and I'm going to, you know, don't worry about it. You'll figure it out someday, which wasn't very helpful for learning and growing as an individual. Um, and it was actually a, a conversation I had with a therapist who asked me why I was in my PhD program. I was like to get my, my PhD to get a piece of paper. She was like, oh, what are you going to do with it? Nothing. I think I'm, <laughs> think I'm going to go back to consulting. I really, really love that work. Um, and so she, you know, she said back to me, so you're going to get a piece of paper so you can do nothing with it, but you're going to be miserable for the next two to three years to do it. That was a light bulb moment, right? Like, oh, um, and luckily at the time, uh, my prior firm was hiring, wanted to bring me back in. So I went back to work for them, started in sort of that client relationship management role and an advisory firm is very similar to like an associate advisor or you know, kind of a CRM um, and really dug in and learned from the ground up how to run a business, how to be successful at it, how to manage teams and manage people, you know, how to design service models and do segmentation. If you can guess 
always loved math. So things like, you know, segmentation are you know, fun projects for me, not fun projects for people. Um, and really kind of grew in that, you know, in that consulting role. Um, that's when the company was purchased by Genworth, which is now AssetMark. Um, and I also, you know, I think it's a great company. I had amazing people that I worked with. I had um, a lot of female leaders in that organization, right? It's run by uh, Natalie Wilson, who's the CEO now. Um, these were you know, women and people who supported me. So I think for me, the biggest shift in that, in that journey was sort of my getting confident in making certain decisions. The first one, leaving an entire career path behind me to pursue something else and not being sure if that's what I wanted to do with my life and everything that I had at a very young age. So I always say that I'm lucky because I learned very young that one of the secrets of life is to love what you do, right? And really enjoy that. Um, in my tenure at AssetMark, um, I worked really hard. I was one of those people who stayed late, who worked extra, and I had, I had no work-life balance if you think about it in the traditional sense, but because I really enjoyed the work and the people and what I did, and because I had support around me, um, my husband who's, uh, I've been with for 20 years now, friends and family, great leadership, um, I really thrived. But it wasn't until I hit some of my own personal boundaries um, and started working more deeply with advisors that I hit, I think, some of the things that Greer, you had mentioned in your podcast, they just really came across different for me. So, you know, I didn't really experience sexism. I think I'm very lucky in that. I probably got it, you know, sparsely here and there. The thing that I've seen most in my career is ageism. Yep. Yeah. Which is funny because this is a podcast, so none of you can see me now. But if you Googled me, I I probably don't look there. We're recording it, so they might be able to see you. I mean, they might listen to you, but they might also be able to see you. But I, you look amazing and young. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I got targeted at Home Depot buying paint. Spray paint the other week. I was like, seriously? <laughs> I got carded last night for buying a beer at the soccer game right after the woman in front of me did not get carded. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and well, and like, and I want to talk more um, about that, but I think the thing that really honed in for me, um, I have two kids, I have an eight year old. And I have a three-year-old. Um, and when I had my first kid, I suffered from postpartum anxiety, which is really funny because as you can guess, I am an educated woman. I like to consider myself fairly intelligent, fairly successful. Um, my mother suffered from postpartum depression. I was prepared for that. Like that was, it's something that's talked about a lot more. But just experiencing postpartum anxiety, I was floored. I had no idea. I didn't know where that came from. I didn't know what to expect. Um, and quite frankly, it wasn't until I experienced that that I recognized a lot of the fear and anxiety and the mindset things that held me back as I was growing in my career. Um, and luckily I had a great coach and a therapist at the time who really helped me work, work through a lot of that. Um, I was very lucky to get the support that I needed. If you gathered support is going to be a theme yeah. in my conversations today, finding, finding the right people. Um, but it, it put a pause on everything, uh, for me. And then I, you know, I decided when I, when I came back, I ended up taking on new challenges at asset mark. Um, I ran the group coaching program for advisors. Um, I also ran sort of internal operations um, for the practice management team. And I was sort of always that, um, a little bit the, the behind the scenes leader, the support, like that support role, right? So that, that conversation of sort of how you're being seen and always being in a support 
position. For me, I think sometimes what I faced there was being so young. I remember at one point in my career um, looking for a promotion and the people that I was going to be managing were, you know, two times my age bracket, right? Who thought they had more experience than me. And someone told me, I don't think you should really apply for that position. Simply because, yeah, right? Um, and here's the thing, I didn't. Because at the time, I didn't have the confidence in myself. I didn't know myself well enough. I hadn't done the work to be able to sit down and say, thanks, I hear you. It's a nice opinion. It doesn't matter much to me. I so, <laughs> I want to take like oh no where am I? So it's our house in the middle of the street. Um, Garland's actually going to start dancing and sing. There, oh, there you go. <laughs> I told you it's loud in here. Go ahead, Garland. I think you had a question. Yes, to say. <laughs> So, so that's interesting. So you said ageism, and Ed and I kind of both looked at each other like ageism. So I have three kids. My kids are 26, 24, and 20. So when you said eight and three, I went, well, wait a minute. But then you're hitting me on the other side. Hey, you were the young person, and the task was to manage older people. And I've been on, in fact, Ed and I have both been now on both sides of that, where we were younger. Um, we were promoted fairly quickly. We were working with people who were 15, 20 years older than us. Then asked to step above them because it's, it's hard enough to step out amongst your peer group, right? Just to elevate amongst the people that you were having a beer with last year and all of a sudden they report to you. That's all by itself tough. And now they're older than you. So that's interesting. We've also been on the other side where now we are a little older. We have people that are younger and super talented um, and that are doing the things that you were trying to do back then. We're very lucky, but we work for a firm that's very generational on purpose. Um, you know, our founder is effectively a boomer. You know, we're Gen Xers. Um, and now we have this millennial Gen Z population coming in with all kinds of crazy talents and we're giving them all the, the, the runway to, to utilize that. Was the was the postpartum anxiety the beginning of you saying, hey, listen, I want to challenge myself in different ways. And did that lead to what you're doing now? You talked about taking on coaching responsibilities um, at Asset Mark, huge firm, to now we make that leap and step away from the big firm. And by the way, all three of us have done that. Big firm to small firm. And now here you are doing your own thing, multiple businesses helping people like my friend Greer to make her business better. Is that when it all started? For me, I think it was the, the tipping point of me affecting personal change in my life and really beginning the work on myself. Like I'd always strived to grow in my career and to learn new things and to grow as an individual and to grow as a leader and you know, do things like take public speaking classes or take communication classes. And like we think of those as sort of the traditional professional development work, but so much of what holds us back, leaders in any firm, whether it's my firm, Greer's firm, a financial advisory firm, is the, the head trash and the mind space, what's really going on inside of us. So that that for me was the first point where I really looked in and went, what is going on here, right? Why am I experiencing this? What is happening? Like I remember a moment, um, my, my son, I ended up with a, a MRSA staph infection. Um, do not Google that, by the way, <laughs> if you have a one month old baby, I remember literally thinking we're all gonna die. Me, my husband, my baby, like we're all gonna die. Like that's what experiencing that level of anxiety was like. Um, 
it's one of the reasons that I'm starting um, and launching a second business called Anxious Mamas, which does coaching and consulting for women business owners um, who deal with anxiety because look, nobody talks about this stuff. And they certainly don't talk about it in our industry. Um, but it was the first step in my journey moving forward. After I came back from maternity leave, I got an offer in the organization um, to move directions, um, move out of practice management into strategic initiatives um, and business intelligence, some, again, something I had never done before. Um, but again, I had strong leaders who believed in me, who coached me, who mentored me, who said, hey, Natalie, yeah, no, we know that you've never done this before, but that's okay. We know you can do it. And so like, that's one of the, the things that I often see missing in our industry or when I work with advisors supporting their team, they're more worried about what their team can and can't do than they are about figuring out how to grow the potential in their people and to challenge them to do more and to do better and to grow. And so that's one of the things that I do in the work and the coaching I do with a lot of advisors is not just how to make your team perform better, but how do you actually show up as a better person and as a better leader to grow them. And that started with my own work. Um, another experience, uh, you know, you have to really get clear and listen to your head, your heart, and your gut um, and use your intuition, which I also think a lot of advisory business owners um, struggle with, right? We want answers, but as entrepreneurs, there's not always an answer, right? A best practice doesn't always fit your particular situation, particularly when you're trying to do something different and new, right? If you're trying to be a fee-only advisor who's on a retainer basis, who doesn't want to charge AUM, if you're trying to serve a niche market that's, you know, underserved that no one else is touching. There's not a playbook. Um, and so tapping into your own self, your own self-confidence, knowing what your strengths are and how you can grow and improve and step into things that are scary, I think is that was the beginning of that journey for me. And um, turns out I was great at business intelligence. I didn't love strategic initiatives all that much. Um, but I had my, my second kid. I went through a very similar experience. Um, my husband was a financial advisor. He's not in the industry anymore. You can guess a couple of reasons why that happened. He was a young growing advisor. Um, and, you know, he honestly didn't love the work. So, right, you got to love what you do to stay in it, stick with it. Um, I had an opportunity to move to Costa Rica to go work with uh, a smaller firm, Limitless uh, Advisor Coaching, again with Stephanie Bogan. I actually do some coaching work with them still, um, but it was another one of those moments. Take the safe path, take the scary path, right? Stay with the big company with the beautiful benefits for the great leadership that you know is safe. Or take the leap. So I took the leap. Um, I loved working there. I loved working for them. Um, we actually worked with uh, a coach at the time, uh, Elise McConnell. Um, unfortunately, she's no longer with us. Uh, God rest her soul. Um, but she really changed my life. Um, or more importantly, she helped me change my life. That's when I really did the work um, to figure out what I wanted to get really clear on who I wanted to be in the world and who I wanted to be in the leader and what I wanted for myself. And thankfully, Stephanie and Limitless were super supportive of that. They weren't like, you know, hey, how come you're leaving? They were like, great, go forth and conquer do good work in the world. So I can't, you know, I can't thank them enough for being supportive of that. But that's, that's the work that led me to where I am today in terms of helping other leaders. I absolutely love it. I will just simply say, had I moved to Costa Rica, I'm not coming back. <laughs> that's just that's just me. I'm not coming back. And my first me, thought was like, I'm never moving to Costa Rica. I wouldn't. I don't think I could ever take that that like leap. And 
we'll work on that in our next session. Um, but so my, I want to, I want to talk about the things that you are doing now, especially the second business. And I know Ed seemed very, very excited to hear about that, but I just want to point out one thing that has been the running theme through everything that you just talked about. And it's something that comes up on our podcast so very, very often. And that is mentorship and support and how incredibly important it is and how I feel like some of us have said that we lack it a little bit from a female and a person of color standpoint in this industry, just because of the numbers. And when you have lower numbers, uh, there's less people that, you know, have your same experiences or similar experiences that can really help mentor you. So I think that the fact that you had great mentorship from the start is super important and is, is the running theme in everything that you just talked about. You had great support, you had great leaders. And there were a couple times where you mentioned the opposite and those were significant parts in your life where things changed. You said you had a teacher that you didn't love in the, uh, you know, in the subject matter that you thought you were going to spend your life doing. And because you had a teacher you didn't love, you switched that subject matter to something different and it changed the course of your life there. And then you had someone tell you that you were not not qualified or not shouldn't apply for a job. And you didn't, even though you very well knew that you probably could have done it and done it better than all the other applicants, but it made you second guess yourself. And so that's just like, it's something that we talk about so much on this podcast is finding good mentors and finding people who can support you in your endeavors and be happy for you. And I think that's really tough in this industry. And I say that as a transition consultant who knows that sometimes you think you have a good mentor, but then you make a change and suddenly that person is no longer happy for you because they were only really supporting you because it was their job and not because you were a person. And I had a very, I had an experience like that when I left, when I finally ended up leaving the wirehouse world, I had a great mentor, Garland. I'm sure you know exactly who it was. I sat out right outside of her office. She was a, she was like a man, my manager's manager's manager. And, but I just happened to sit right outside her office. She was a great mentor to me. We had a great relationship. And when I ended up leaving, going with the advisor that was leaving, who was paying half my salary, so I didn't have that much of a choice. I kind of had to go if I wanted to be able to continue having a job. I tried to call her multiple times to explain myself and to thank her. And I got no calls back. I I was not contacted. I have not spoken to her since. And that was a really disappointing moment for me because I really thought that I had this like female leader that was, you know, that believed in me and that supported me. And just to find out that like, really, she only cared because I worked for her. It was a disappointing, it was a disappointing thing. And it was one of those moments where I really just thought to myself, wow, like, I, you know, I, this person didn't really care about me. They really cared about the fact that I was good at my job and did my job for her. And so, um, I don't know where I was going with that. I always, I always go off on these little tangents and stories that like remind me of things that like were tough in this industry, but it's one of those things where like, it's super important that we talk about this because I want to be one of those people to others. I know Natalie, you of course are as a coach and you have absolutely been for me. I truly believe that you have helped me so much in this business and we found each other completely by accident. Um, I think we were maybe introduced and I was, we were just like a connection. And at the end of the call, I was like, I want you to be my coach. And that was it. Like I, it wasn't, there was no sales pitch or anything. You were just telling me a story like this, telling me what you do for people. And I was like, okay, you are now my coach. How do I make this happen? Um, so yeah. So not everyone, not everyone should be a mentor. Not no. everyone should be a mentor. Because there are a lot of mentors who say they're mentors and like the person that we both know Greer. 
um, they're doing it for themselves, right? They're doing it to say that, hey, I have these people and I'm, look how I'm helping them and look what I've done for them. And it's really not about them at all. We have mentors out there that simply want to tell people what to do. And that is not mentorship, right? There's no dialogue, no back and forth. They don't care about growth of that individual. They just care about themselves. Yeah, I think there's a big difference in, this is why I don't think a lot of leaders really understand. I work with a lot of lifestyle practices, solo advisors or one or two owner firms um, or people who are kind of growing up and, you know, to be that sort of manager between the leader advisors and the rest of the team, like Career was. Uh, there's a difference between leadership, mentorship, management, and training. And so many people think that management and training is the same as leadership, mentorship, and coaching. And so they, you can be a good manager and a good trainer, but it doesn't make you a great leader, it doesn't make you a great coach, and it doesn't make you a great mentor. Those things require you to see the potential in people and believe in it, nurture it, and want their success more than you want your own. One of my favorite things, and I'm pretty sure I stole it from somewhere, but can't remember where, is the vision for your business needs to be big enough for the vision of people's careers within it. Which means if you want to be successful, you have to be willing to grow and mentor your people. My number one rule and managing any team I have ever managed is to help people learn how to do what I do better than I do it. Not to be afraid of whether or not they're gonna leave my company or whether or not they're gonna do their own thing or whether or not they're gonna be smarter than me someday. Because if I'm a great leader, I'm gonna hire people who are absolutely smart, who are absolutely gonna outgrow me because that's how you grow as an organization. But most of the time we're too afraid of that, that we don't do it. That we're too afraid that someone's gonna be better than us. We don't let go of tasks, we don't delegate, we don't train, we don't coach, right? We dictate. Those are, those are I think, the things we see as differences in leaders. And I think you know the clients that I end up working with they want to do more of that. They want to be more of that. They don't just want to build a million dollar business and make a whole bunch of money and you know have the highest AUM numbers and have the biggest revenue. They want to make an impact. Right? They want to make a difference in some corner of the world. And those are the people I think we really need more of in this space. And there's your criteria for working with Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But Greg, I also want to go back to the the mentor. Um, I, I feel there are certain mentors that are only supposed to be with you for a season. I don't feel that it's all mentors are supposed to go with you through the whole journey of your life. I feel there are certain seasons of your life where that mentor is perfect for you. Sure. And sometimes something event has to happen in your life. Either they have to leave you or you have to leave them in order to grow. Because had you stayed under that individual, you may not be where you are right now. I completely agree with that. I just wish I had had an interaction to end that what I felt like was mentorship that that gave me like a hope and you know a good feeling for the future and someone that I knew that I could contact if I ever needed anything and I just feel like I I didn't get that and it was it was a big disappointment to me and it and it really kind of because I, what I really wanted to do was I was really just trying to, you know, this is a small industry. It's a it's a big industry, but it's a small industry, if you know what I mean. Like, you don't burn bridges in this industry without it coming back to bite you in the butt later, especially when I'm doing something like transitions. I've had people that I worked with the first year straight out of college call me and say, like, I'm thinking about making a transition I remember you from like happy hours and you know, I see your stuff on LinkedIn, like tell me what it is that you do. Like I have those calls all the time. And so I just really like to try to maintain as many 
uh, relationships in this industry as I possibly can. And I really just, especially the ones that I thought were important. And so that was just one of those things where I was like, I am really bummed that I did not get, uh, you know, that I got ghosted by this person that I had so much respect for. Um, I'm not trying to harp on it or anything. It was just one of those things where I was I was leaving a giant Fortune 500 company to go work for two individuals as their only employee at a very small firm. And so it was a very, very like, and I didn't get much of a chance to make the decision for myself. It was kind of made for me. And I wanted to make sure that I had like a fallback in case like, in case I realized like working for two individuals is not the same and I don't like it, which I eventually did, but I didn't have that, you know, that bridge back if I needed it. So I ended up moving forward and making my own thing, which I guess you're right, like comes full circle and I figured it out on my own, but it's still, it was just, it was like one of those things that stuck in my mind. And I still think about it today. Like, you know, there, there weren't that many women in this industry that I even encountered over my years and the two or three that I did weren't, were not very nice to me as a young individual, um, but this one was. And and so it was a disappointment to just not, you know, yeah. to, to find out that it was like, just based on the situation and not so much on me. <laughs> yeah, but like, like I said, she was just there for a season and had yeah. she stayed in your life, you might still be at a wirehouse. Cause she might've well, taught you come and come. She might've taught you to come over here with me. And I'm, so you just, you know, you, be true it was, as well. it's right. all, it's all part of your journey. It so, and, yeah. so Natalie, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still thinking about Costa Rica right now. Um, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely beautiful, beautiful place. Um, I'd love to learn a little bit more about beyond FA. Um, what you're doing out, what you're doing with that particular business, but more importantly, what are you doing for the advisors that might be listening to this podcast and how you can, how they can um, benefit from your services? Well, thank you for asking. That's very, very kind of you. Um, so Beyond FA is a boutique coaching and consulting firm. Um, we do sort of done with you work, which I consider to be the, the coaching work that's leadership and business coaching, right? So on the leadership side of the fence, like Greer mentioned, um, really working on who you are as a leader. What are the things that you need to work on? What's What are the things that are holding you back? I think so many times we don't think about um, what in our own heads is holding us back, right? We like to point to all the things out there, right? I. I didn't get that promotion because they thought I was too inexperienced. You know, my example, right? I could have pushed for that. I could have pushed harder. I could have done more, but my own head trash was sitting in the way, right? Really being able to do that, that mindset work and know myself and understand myself better um, to really improve. I have a client I'm working with right now. Um, one of his, you know, kind of professional development goals is communication. And I think the difference between sort of this deep executive mindset coaching is we're not just talking about communication strategies, like how do you talk to your team or how do you be a better leader? We're actually talking about the things that hold you back from communicating, right? Um, you know, in this particular case, some of the, the things I obviously won't share um, who it is, but the, the conversations that, that come up um, and it's happened with hundreds of advisors that I've worked with is, you know, my experience is growing up, I learned not to speak up. And for me, that was a big one that hit home for me. Because when I think about like all the roles that I've had in businesses, um, and what took me so long to start my own company, I actually had the opportunity to start my company when I was 26, when Quantivis sold to AssetMark. And I had no strings, nothing but college debt, <laughs> um, almost zero responsibilities, and I couldn't do it. I was too scared. I was too afraid to stand out, to be in the limelight, to stand front and center. And so while I've had an amazing career and I've worked for amazing people and great leaders, the theme that you'll notice is I'm always one step back. 
And I think there are a lot of younger advisors or younger people in this industry, or maybe not younger, <laughs> you know, but just people who sit in that space, who take on the role or the word support or sort of second chair and they live it, not realizing that they can do more. Um, and so for, for me, you know, that was an, an example of the type of work that I help um, my advisors with, which is, you know, and it comes up in weird business places. I'm afraid to market. Why? Mm, I'm afraid of being heard. I don't, I don't know if my voice is good enough. Am I good enough? Are people going to believe me? Are they going to trust me? That's not business practices. That's not how many posts do I put on Twitter or what is my marketing plan? That's having the own, you know, the, the confidence as a leader to be in your own skin and to step out into these areas that are scary. So that's a big part of the coaching work that I do. But you know, the first 20 years, I didn't, I didn't do that. It wasn't until Limitless and having my own coach that I really understood that. So I marry that with best practices, right? Because you still need the tactics. You still need, you know, how do I build a service model and how do I structure, you know, the organizational work? I end up doing a lot of um, operations, HR, and business strategy work for firms. Um, I think all of my advisors joke with me. I think the reason I do a lot of HR work is because I love people. I love managing people. I love training people. I love helping their potential. And I can't tell you the number of times advisors have been like, I hate managing people. I didn't, you know, I didn't start my business to be a manager, to train a team. I'm like, then why do you have a business? Because if you don't want to get better at that, you're not going to grow. Or you're going to grow, but you're going to grow in a very specific way. There are very small firms that are very large, that are very successful, right? But you have to have that clarity. So a lot of the work that I do at Beyond FA is helping advisors get clear on what they want to create for their business. Whether that's a lifestyle solo practice with one employee or a small ensemble that is, you know, lean but powerful, or hey, at some point we want to grow beyond kind of the work that you do, Natalie, to become a billion dollar firm, right? It's getting clear on what you want, putting in place the pieces that you need to get there, designing a plan and executing on it. Because I think that's the other place a lot of advisors struggle is, I don't know what to do and I don't know what order. And, and quite frankly, the order doesn't matter as much as people think. I've worked with firms who have led with marketing and growth and they've gotten big and they've gotten successful. But if you look behind the scenes, their operations is an absolute nightmare. You'd be like, really? That's questionable. And I've worked with firms that are, you know, just they're run by operations people, like they're analytical, they're process oriented. They've got solid people, they've got solid process in place, but they've done no marketing. They've only grown through referrals and yet they've seen success. For what, so for what that me says is eh, there's not a perfect order. It's that you have to get clear on what you want for your business, for your life, for your team, set the goals for that, and then build the plan to execute on it and take the steps. And so that's the work that I do. And the coaching, it's done with you. I help you execute on that. You do the work. I don't do any of the work for Greer. When we talk about Greer's fee schedule, Greer works on Greer's fee schedule. Um, I also take on a handful of done for you clients. Implementation consulting is what I call it, um, where um, I essentially come into the practice as your practice manager or fractional COO um, and help you design the strategy, but I also help you with the execution of that. So that ends up happening for a lot of firms who are, are missing that gap or who haven't yet figured out how to, you know, be the person who runs and executes and manages this team because it's something that they actually are growing and developing and working on. So those are the ways um, that I typically work with advisors um, or with advisor adjacent firms, as I like to call it, career being one of those. <laughs> 
Yeah, one of the things that I think I wasn't very clear on when we started working together was the coaching versus consulting, which sounds crazy because I call myself a consultant. And so like, to me, it was like, I, I thought coaching and consulting kind of like were hand in hand. They were very similar. You could kind of use them as the same word, but, um, you know, after working with you for so long, I now know like a clear difference between what is coaching and helping you with the favorite phrase that you always use your head trash and figuring out like how to get yourself to be able to do the things that you want to do and then be able to go out and do them and consulting, which is more kind of helping with the actual work and developing the strategies and everything. Um, and so those are two very clear differences. If I'm not explaining them correctly, please um, go ahead and explain them in the way that you would explain them to people, because I do think that it's an important distinction and it's one that you do both of, and it might be something that advisors don't even realize um, that they might need one or the other. Hi, Carolyn. Thank Hi, you Carolyn. for joining us. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a tricky one. I think it's something that my clients I have to get a little bit, a little bit used to if they're working in that, um, in that model. Um, but it is really intentional. I do think that there are a lot of programs and platforms that are coaching, but coaching more in the training sense, like we're teaching you how to do something and guiding you through that execution. So when I do the business coaching, there's more of that. Um, it's that. I don't think people always come to coaches with that, to, to your point, the expectation that we're going to talk about what's holding you back. Like, what is your level of responsibility in this and, and how you have to show, literally, how do you have to show up different and how does how you show up impact the work you do? I was, um, I had a former client and we were uh, talking about conversations he was having with the team and I asked the question, like, well, how are you showing up? And he went, mm, what do you mean? What do you mean, how am I showing up? I'm having conversations. You know, and we dug into that deeper um, and the conversation was, I'm closed off. I'm judgmental. I'm, right, basically not in a headspace to train or mentor or grow someone who made a mistake, right? So imagine being that person on the other side of the fence where essentially you're sitting in your chair, you know you effed up. And the person sitting across from you who's supposed to help you grow shows up judgmental, mad at you, frustrated. Like, what are you thinking about? Yep. Yes, yeah, so I, I, have a, I have a question for you because you are a business coach and you talked a little bit about mindset. <clears throat> Based on your experience, and I want to focus on the advisors that you've that you've um, worked with. Based on your experience, what has been some common um, blind spots or biases um, that some of these leaders had that they've often overlooked? It's mm. a good question. I love when I make them think. I know, I know. <laughs> you can tell she is thinking. I'm going to pause and think. It's, um... I, I mean, you can, while well, you think, I can, I can tell you something that was the most impactful thing that you ever did for me. And like, I don't, I certainly don't mind sharing anything that we have talked about in our calls because I've had the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, but I think the, the one, and I've cried a couple times on, in our sessions, but this one like made me cry even after the session. Like I, like when we were finished, I like, I cried and I really had to think about a lot of things. And I was like really mad at you for a little bit, but then I was like, <laughs> but once you hear what I say, what, what I say, like was the thing that changed, like, you'll understand why I was mad at you. It was like one time you just like stopped me in the middle of talking and you were like, Greer, I want you to read something. And you sent me this like sheet and at the top of the sheet, it just said victim. And I was like, okay. And so it was like this whole 
like paragraph and you said, I'll wait, go ahead and read it. And so I read the whole thing and I just started immediately crying. And like I said, even when we were finished the call, like I was, I printed it out. I like had it in front of me and I was reading it. And it was all about the victim mentality. And it was because I had been complaining about something. And I obviously the complaining that I was doing was blaming somebody else for some problem that I had. And so I read the entire thing and I just kept reading it and kept reading it. I talked to my husband about it. I was like so upset. I was so mad. I was like, I'm going to drop this coach. I'm not, I don't want to work with her anymore ever again. Like I, I'll, t- I'll straight tell you that. But then the more I kept reading it, I was like, I was like, well, really? She's just like pointing out that sometimes some of these things that I talk about in these sessions, I'm, I'm blaming other people for the experiences that I'm having, but really like the experience that I'm having from what these people are saying are, you know, I'm responding to what people are saying. I'm responding to the experiences and I'm responding negatively. And then I'm blaming other people, which is like what I was doing with you in that moment. <laughs> like, actually, she's just the one that's pointing it out to me. And so it was very ironic, but it was also very impactful to me um, because I feel like it really changed a lot of things for me. And I now when I like have negative experiences, it makes me reflect a lot more and it makes me think like, hey, am I having a negative experience because like somebody really was being an asshole or am I having this negative experience because I took something that someone said and let it affect me so negatively. So, um, you know, I don't know if that really like answers any questions that Ed may have had about what people bring into your conversations, but it was the most impactful thing that has ever happened when in our sessions. And it really did make me completely change the way that I think about any interactions that I have. Um, sometimes I still feel like I have a victim mentality uh, in things, but I recognize it and I can I can control it a little bit better or I can at least respond differently than I otherwise might have not knowing that that's what I was doing in my you know head. How powerful, you know how powerful that last statement you said was? Because yeah. you realized in the moment you realized what was going on with you. So you were self truly self-aware. And yeah. able to regulate yourself back, which is absolutely powerful. So, thanks for sharing um, during that that session. Did you think of anything, Nat- Natalie? Because if not, uh, I got another. I got another question for you. I, I, there's a couple <laughs> things I, I I did. I think Greer answered it in a different way. I think of like blind spots and bias probably is different. So, mm-hmm. blind spots. I think what Greer mentioned that actually shows up for a lot of people. Like actually showing up in a victim mentality. Like I used to. I joke that I was the um, most successful at executing and getting shit done victim, pardon my French, that I've ever met. Like, that's been one of the things people know about me. Like, if you want something done, if you want to get results, you go to Natalie. But yet, I've, I had a victim mentality for a long time. I think that, you know, when I was younger, that example of letting someone else tell me that my age had an impact on whether or not I was good enough to do a job um, so we think a lot of our blind spots are just those spaces within ourselves, or the lack of belief, right? Telling yourself, I'm not a good manager. Well, keep having that conversation with yourself and you're never going to be a good manager, right? So it's really kind of figuring out, you know, those areas for yourself. Um, for me, and again, it's probably just because that's the lens I'm looking through my own personal experience. I- I've seen a lot of age bias in our industry. Um, I've done hiring projects for firms um, back before when I really narrowed my niche down to like working with cool awesome people who wanna make an impact in the world. Um, I had an advisor once um, say he didn't wanna hire someone because they were too experienced, but the code for that was, I'm afraid that they're gonna be too successful or they're not a left like me. Like they have code for they're older. And I don't think they're changeable because they're older. Like I mean, your malleability and your ability to change doesn't really have a lot to do with your age if you've done your work, right? Um, or I don't, I don't know about that candidate. They've come from an under industry. They don't understand our work. I don't think they're experienced enough. Code for cold words. <laughs> <laughs> code for, um, and so I think 
you know, one of the things that I struggle with in this industry is people aren't hiring from outside of our industry into the industry. Some of my very best hires ever have been people from completely different industries who were younger than you probably would have expected to do the job, but I didn't look at age as the factor. I looked at bright, smart, capable. Can you grow? Can you learn? Can you be successful? One of those, one of those people now is the CEO of a very successful billion dollar RIA. Oh, Natalie. <laughs> that has nothing to do with me though, right? That's all about her. Um, you know, I have an advisory firm, they're hiring in associate advisors from different industries and then training them and having them go through the CFP program and growing them. And these are some of the most, you know, kind, capable, care, like people who actually care and they have, right? They're bright, they're smart, they're capable. We just have to teach them, you know, that stuff. And I feel like that stuff is much easier to teach than, than that. So that bias of like, oh, you have to come from our space. Yeah. You have to be like us. Um, or advisor transitions, like moving clients from one advisor to another, I hear often, oh, I don't know about that candidate. They're not really like me. I don't know if my clients could work with them. Yeah. As if you have to be a certain personality type to work successfully with a client, right? I do advisor transitions for a living, and I recently brought on uh, a friend of mine who had no zero experience in the financial services industry as a consultant. Um, and he's already outpaced me on a lot of the data manipulation in Excel and everything because he's a former teacher and coach. And so like, he just will, he'll be like, oh, I don't know how to do this. And he'll just go watch a YouTube video. He'll learn how to do it. He'll then like build off of that. And then he'll come teach me how to do it. And then he'll make a standard operating procedure template for how to do it. And like, that's not, you know, like I would have just been like, uh, you know, I'll figure it out along the way. And he's now, you know, he went and did a, one of those like LinkedIn Excel training things and got like the certification from LinkedIn. I did one of those a couple months ago thinking I'm really good with Excel. And I took the exam and I was like, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and he within two weeks was like, Oh yeah, I'm certified in Excel um, data management on LinkedIn now. And I was like, great, <laughs> great. Good for you. Thank you. Here, here, take this, this spreadsheet yeah. and, and manipulate yeah. it for me. So I don't have to thank you. And that's, those were a lot of the conversations that we have or the work we do with advisors, right? On one hand, I remember that conversation, how do I define the roles? What does this actually look like? What's the structure was one part of that conversation, yep. uh, getting off the pot and actually doing the hiring, which I remember it wasn't the structure career. It was like, you know, I'm afraid to bring on that next person. And so I think those are the the types of things that show up in our work that's different from your great traditional consulting um, firm. Part of the reason that, um, you know, I left Limitless is I, I love working one-on-one -on -one with clients. Like I have my, I do not have a hundred clients. I usually have maybe 10 to 15 at, at any given time um, because I love getting to know clients helping them become better people like that's if you want to be a better leader and run a better business that's the work that i do helping people reach their potential is like the thing i want to do with my life uh, absolutely so my last question for you and i promise this won't won't be I have as more bad as bad as the last <laughs> i know you do i know you do so in your opinion what is the most significant paradigm shift that businesses will have to embrace in the next decade? Ooh. Ooh. AI. Shh. <laughs> I actually think it's learning how to lead the next generation. Hmm. Because they they've, they've grown up different so much different than we did and the thing that i've seen particularly in our industry is a lack of patience and understanding for that mm. right like well i did it this way i had to do it that way right but the profession has changed drastically 
Um, and the people that are coming in are different. There's um, there's a really amazing Simon Sinek talk on this, so I, I can't own it. Um, but he talks about like people are, we don't have community the way that we used to have community. And people are looking for belonging and impact in their work, right? So these things that they used to get other places, they're expecting from the work environment and our leaders aren't prepared for that. They're not mm. prepared, you know, to have conversations with team members about what's going on in their life and how it's impacting their their work. And so I think for the the shifts that are they needed, like yes, technology is going to change and those are all really huge things. But it's leadership that gets you through all of that. And so figuring out how to be better leaders and to grow the next generation is what's going to make the difference for firms that want to stick around and want to stay. It's not going to be, you know, am I using AI technology? It's, am I a successful leader? Am I willing to take risks? Am I willing to, you know, change the status quo? Am I willing to change because the world is changing? Well, I love that. And as we get ready to wrap up this one, this has been great. Um, this has been a been a therapy session. That's a therapy session for Greer as well. I think she was triggered a couple of times on a couple of things. Always. But go ahead. But go ahead, Greer. I'll let you ask no, that question. I, I want to make sure that everybody is like okay on time and everything. But I just I just want to make sure that you have a moment to talk about anxious mamas for a second, just because like yeah. I think that that's a really cool concept and a really cool thing and I don't know where you are with it right now or if you even really want to talk about it but to me like it hits home and so I just want I just I know you mentioned it and I just want to hear like you talk about it for a minute and then we and then we can be done yeah uh, I appreciate that um it's launching this year we're finishing up the the website um it's very similar work just has a lot less business oriented with it it's geared towards um, women professionals and entrepreneurs, like senior leaders and organizations, um, or women entrepreneurs um, who really want to live the life they want. Like for me, that was my experience. Anxiety had held me back. I wasn't clear on um, who I wanted to be in the world and what I wanted. So I kind of let everyone else drive the boat, right? I, I wanted to be a, a doctor because probably because my mom wanted me to be a doctor. It's always funny. I, I always laugh about it because she used to say like, just ask me medical questions. I'm like, mom, a chemistry degree, chemistry doctorate, not a medical doctorate, but it didn't matter as long as I was a doctor, right? Um, and so it wasn't until my late thirties, you know, almost 40 that I went, oh, I get to do this the way that I want to do it, right? This is my life. Um, and so it's really designed to to coach women through that and to help them through it. Um, you know, all of the experience I've had with coaching has made me a better person, a better mother, a better business owner, um, and I want to bring that to other people. So we're launching a group a group program um, that'll be virtual probably this this fall. Um, so I'm super excited about that because I also believe. Um, you don't have to only do one thing or be one thing. I think so many people try to put us in boxes, right? Like, well, well, you're a financial advisor, so that's all you do. Oh, no, you actually are an advocate and you have a podcast and you want to make the industry better. And, you know, Greer's got her gingerbreads and her crafting. Like, we are complex people who can do so much if we would only just you know, tap into that potential and believe in ourselves. So that's kind of what I, I'm about. I absolutely Focus. love that last part that you just said, because I've had people say, Ed, you do so much. Yeah, I'm an advisor. Yeah, I have a podcast. I run a nonprofit focused on sexual assault and domestic violence. Yes, I do some coaching. Yes, I do this. It's okay. See, one of the things I always tell people, I don't do anything in a silo, though. I don't do anything by myself. That's why I'm able to do everything. So support that. Yep, exactly. Natalie, how do people find you? Where can people find uh, you? Uh, you can go to beyondfa.com, B-E-Y-O-N-D-F-A.com, <laughs> just in case you didn't know how to spell that. 
Um, or you can email us at connect at beyondfa.com. We'll get you. And no judgment on the current website. I put it together three years ago when I started the business. We were in a whole revamp. I'm so excited <laughs> uh, to update it and to actually like show up in the world um, with power and enthusiasm, right? All the things that I talked about earlier and like just stepping into that light and being strong and helping other people do that. So come find Absolutely. me. Absolutely love it. Greer, any parting comments? I, I mean, I think I got everything that i wanted to get out of that and gave it to the world hopefully so uh thank you natalie i think we have a session maybe uh next week um so <laughs> we'll probably talk about a lot of the things that you learned from my podcast interview that you listened to which like makes me a little bit nervous but also um <laughs> you know it is what it is well i really appreciate you having me um and just thank you for what you're doing yeah. for bringing all this to light and creating a voice for our industry that's super needed um i wish more people would do it yeah well it's the exact same to you yeah well we thank you for your time we thank you for sharing a little bit of your journey i'm sorry i'm still stuck on costa rica because it's one of my favorite places to visit um until next time this has been journey to financial advisor experience Thank you for tuning in. Um, go reach out to Natalie, especially if you're an advisor, because um, advisors, you might be great at advising. I know too many advisors that are not great at running a business. Mm. So if you need a coach to help you run your business, reach out to Natalie. So until next time, everyone, take care. God bless. We'll see you soon. Thank you.